Jurassic Park for a minute. We'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And today we're back to end of the week, minute 47 of Jurassic Park 3. Before we get to that, David, over at Jurassic-pedia.com, you can find uh, another article that you've done up this like, past couple of weeks mm-hmm. on the Radio Bunker 0217, which is the uh, bunker we go to in Fallen Kingdom. And one thing I didn't know is that uh, it's actually a piece of the old park. Yeah, I believe Claire mentioned this in um, when they're discussing it in the um, in the movie that how that it was something built for the original park and and presumably and Masrani would have retrofitted it for Jurassic World with newer, better technology. You know. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, it would explain the overgrowth why it's so much more overgrown and the rest of. Uh, the Jurassic World assets we see on the island anyway. And mm-hmm. it, we, it, we've always talked about Jurassic Park, whether or not it's it's like Disneyland, where you've got those underground tunnels linking buildings. Like one, one thing, for instance, is the uh, just the goat. <laughs> Where's the goat come from for the T-Rex? Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff. That infrastructure's underground. Um, we get a lot of that infrastructure, or some of that infrastructure showed in the novel um, as well. So mm-hmm. it's always assumed that those tunnels are there and... Yeah, now we get this, now we got the same. It's also uh, the tunnels are also um, depicted in Jurassic Park the game, which is something of a like a para canon to the movies. It's theoretically canon in a way that um, it fits, but it doesn't is not explicitly stated to be canonical. You know, the well. The um, movies do use, like, a ton, a ton of um, inspiration from it, especially. Like, Mount Sebo was something that was introduced in Jurassic Park, the game, and then was a huge part of Fallen Kingdom. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's much... I think we've had this discussion before about Trespasser. <laughs> Those three or four weeks before The Lost World came out, Trespasser was canon as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> until the film comes out. And as before Jurassic World, and yeah... Jurassic Park the game was made to um, to be canon for that uh, original trilogy, but even the uh, even going into Fallen Kingdom, seeing the set for the bunker and that, like the majority of the community was thinking that's the uh, geothermal power plant that was also brought up in the uh, in the game as well. Mm-hmm. Because even though the power was out, the generators weren't running in Jurassic Park there is still that scene where John Hammond's eating ice cream and the lights and the ceiling fans are running so <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately again that's probably just a, a, a production issue mm-hmm. that um, of course they need light on their actors yeah. whether or not there's candles on Jurassic Park <laughs> or not but um, that's just how things sort of steamroll and now come Fallen Kingdom we'll think and that was geothermal power we need to see geothermal power plant. and maybe that's why Mount Cebu was reacting is because we've harnessed this power and it's um we've overused it or something like that so well another thing to remember is that um in the novel the park was actually still running and uh on power it's not that the power was out for jurassic park is that the phone is that the phones were out and so it's not i mean you can still have the fans going and stuff with the phones jammed and the and the um computer pro- uh, program basically being compromised, you know? Because if you recall, Ar- uh, Arnold was basically um, 
fidgeting with the code for all two million lines of the code looking for whatever Nedry did to it to basically jam up Jurassic Park. Hmm. And yeah, and also too, like, the generators were more so just to get the amperage and the, the voltage for those fences. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true too. Which, because... which is, oh, I was just going to say, which is shown perfectly in the Lost World when they get to that worker village you've got the warning lights on the fence working the lights on but that fence mm-hmm. isn't running because geothermal power doesn't have the ability like a turbine spilling wouldn't have the spinning wouldn't have the ability to power a 10,000 volt fence mm-hmm. then again that was another thing to remember is that I think in um, the novel the reason the gates or not the gates the fences were off for so long was because the park had been running on the auxiliary power generator, which hmm. automatically didn't supply power to the fences because the auxiliary was only meant to be used to um, basically power the park long enough to get the fences back on. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah. and then eventually ran out of fuel and they lost power to the computers again, so... Mm-hmm. That's possibly something else that the... Um, first movie was referencing we never really touch on it because it's not really an important plot point they still turn the power back on the same way in the novel as they do in the book but um well it was a good way to shorten the movie yeah the length of that novel because yeah again in the novel they got power restored they had maintenance crews out there like there was one section of fence that had a tree or a palm tree they'd planted and one of the turnbuckles had hit the fence and was shorting it out and threw the breakers for that section of fence. And Muldoon was out there with the maintenance crews fixing <laughs> fixing mm-hmm. the fence and fixing that tree. Because, um, yeah. again, the tropical storm hit and hit the same night as the wrecks broke out. But um, it sort of went on a whole... It would have been another whole day of um, the park runnings trying to get the park back online and Grant and the kids trying to get back to the uh, visitor centre. So, again, just Spielberg condensing and tightening up that novel mm-hmm. but yeah back, back to Jurassicpedia fantastic little article there Dave and uh, some photos, set photos from inside the uh, the bunker as well so yeah head over to Jurassic-pedia.com and check out Radio Bunker there's some other fantastic stuff on there as well including some of the uh, cutscenes from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom mm-hmm. did you read Malcolm's book? yeah so I don't know. I mean, it was kind of preachy and and too much chaos. Everything's chaos. It seemed like the guy was kind of high on himself. Well, that's two things that we have in common. All right, ready to get into minute 47. Sure. As we ended minute 46 of Jurassic Park 3, Alan had found a moment to tuck into some leftover food, and Eric could sit down and started eating small chocolate bars. And as the minute ended, Grant started to cough again and reached for a beaker with some cloudy-looking fluid inside. As we open on minute 47, Grant brings a beaker closer so he can examine the contents. And Eric says, be careful with that. T-Rex. It scares all the little ones, but attracts one really big one with a fin. At the seven-second mark, Grant screws up his face as he realises its contents. And says, this is T-Rex P. Eric silently nods. Now and asks, how'd you get it? Eric replies, you don't want to know. At the 26 second mark, as Alan's thrown a candy bar and he starts to open it, 
He's blunt with Eric, that he's surprised he's lasted eight weeks alone on the island. With this, Eric thinks for a moment and says, Eight weeks? Is that all it's been? Grant says, Well, you are alive. That's the important thing. And luckily, that's one thing we both have in common. At the 44-second mark, Grant asks the question, Did you read Malcolm's book? Eric replies, Yeah. And with this, Grant looks questionable and says, So? Eric thinks for a moment and says, I don't know. It's kind of preachy. And everything's chaos. Too much chaos. And as we end the minute... Eric says, and it seemed like the guy was kind of high on himself. And this ends minute 47 of Jurassic Park 3. As we ended 46, Grant had reached for a Beecroft screen, needing a bit of a drink after his bean dish. And uh, as he brings it close, you can sort of see that it's a cloudy liquid inside and he's not going to um, drink it, but he coughs again. And uh, Eric says, careful with that T-Rex. It scares some of the small ones, but it tracks one really big one with a fin, which... um, is a good little represent like we know that's a spinosaur he's sort of describing it as something else because uh, we had grant and billy saying sail on its back early but um, this one's got the big fin um which is which is interesting too like yes the t-rex would scare away everything smaller than it but it also shows that maybe the spinosaur is looking for large prey or just looking for a fight <laughs> grant sort of pulls a bit of a weird face when he says and sort of, uh, he knows, he knows, but he asks anyway, this is T-Rex P. <laughs> Eric doesn't say anything, just nods his head and continues to use chocolate bar, and this is where you can sort of see that, that logo, that, um, wrapping logo there, with the little mm-hmm. product placement. Grant asks, how'd you get it? And Eric replies, you don't want to know. <laughs> Which I think has actually been kind of one of the most popular questions the fandom has had. How did Eric get that P? Basically, I think what it was implied in by Johnston or somebody was he he stood under it while it was doing its business. <laughs> <laughs> but fun fact, um, scientists now believe that dinosaurs actually excreted their excrement um, more like birds, where it was like one it was just poo and pee together as one substance and so it was kind of just basically diarrhea <laughs> yeah well that's that's one of the problems you get with fossils <laughs> with no no muscular much there with no skin of skin or um internal sort of stuff there especially the theropods sort of going that avian sort of thing where there's only one outshoot <laughs> where <laughs> you have the pee and poo and the one the one sort of poo. <laughs> I don't know. Getting lost. Um, and even in the Lost World, when um, the T-Rex sits down in the front explorer and pee-poos on it, it's just like a bird, just a muck, a yellow, a white muck um, that the T-Rex comes out of. I don't... I would have preferred just to find a puddle. Maybe he's, he's following the Rex, he's in a tree as the Rex walks past or something and scoops it up because... Especially when we see him later out in the daylight, he's a very dirty little boy. Um, <laughs> yes, it's been eight weeks, and it is a tropic, so clothes probably won't dry. He's got he's found this um, what we're going to say is a lab coat at the moment. We'll see more of it next minute, but he um, he had he's found he's found some sort of clothes. He, he's near a water source. You could still wash your face 
and have a bit of a wash up. But when he's walking around in the jungle, I think all the animals are going to know he's there long before he sees them, <laughs> including the Tyrannosaur. Um, we had Sarah in the last film just saying how much and how good the Tyrannosaurs could smell. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see Eric just walking up under the T Rex as it's doing its business and holding a beaker up. <laughs> but then again, maybe not because I mean, if dogs, uh, for example, will cover themselves in dirt and stuff to basically hide their perfumey bubble bath uh, soapy stick on them because otherwise they're stinky dogs, you know. They smell and like dog. And yeah, yeah. their natural instinct to co- is to cover up that scent. So I would think that maybe it's not his natural instinct to do so, but Eric prop maybe um, had at some point just eventually covered up his scent after being in the jungle for so long, covered in dirt, you know? Mm. Well, we do see him when he saves Grant. He has got those leaves and all that sort of stuff on his yowie suit, or his camouflage suit, so mm-hmm. maybe there's um, maybe there's foliage on that that is a deterrent. Um, again, he's had eight weeks. He's had, He's been on the island for eight weeks. There's all sorts of adventures he could have in those eight weeks that we just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. he and he, he, might have, he might have even gone predator and just put the mud on <laughs> to hide his smell as well. But... <laughs> well, that's another thing is the... Um... That was actually recently brought up, I think, by Jack Ewins, that the um, that survivor, the first person account of um, from the Jurassic Park Adventures book series that we get of Eric Kirby's um, quote unquote adventures on Isla Sorno, is the is the idea that it's told from a first person account, so you get a kind of the unreliable narrator effect, like you kind of do with The Hobbit. Hmm. And he brings up the fact that I mean nothing in it really necessarily contradicts anything in the mo- in the movie, so it becomes kind of like Jurassic Park the game being this para canon where it theoretically fits without it actually being canon. Yeah, yeah. I really need to get those comics, <laughs> or those novels. Um, you see them on eBay every now and then. I must get onto that and mm-hmm. get one. But it's great. He Grant sort of holds that that weird face and slowly places places the beaker back, <laughs> <laughs> careful not to break it. Where even even if it did break, I think um, shut the hatch. It might keep the smell in for a little bit, but mm-hmm. like more so of just having that smell in there. You, you need to spend a night in here. You don't want don't want that. It's obviously Ooh. got the plung, the rubber plung it, mm-hmm. bunging it for a reason. <laughs> well, the other thing is is be, is that. Animal um, urine carries a lot of... Well, human urine does too. But animal urine especially carries um, a lot of pheromones and that attracts uh, like other animals or tells other animals which animal has been around. And so you get these kind of things, especially like predators will scent mark their territory. And if you break that, you... You will scare away the smaller dinosaurs, but especially the smaller predators. But you'll bring like a big T-Rex or a big, uh, or a big Spinosaurus in this case. When I was a kid, I never realized he said fin. I always thought he said a big one with a fury. And so I always imagined that sure you're gonna scare some of the smaller T-Rex away. But you're going to bring a really big, mean, ugly, nasty T-Rex is going to be pissed off. 
<laughs> or just an old buck that looks after his child. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing too. Like, yes, he's in he's in an old water truck here. I'd say, oh, you might not even be safe from raptors in this thing. Like, yes, the wall of tanker itself, water tankers themselves are pretty durable. Mm-hmm. But the 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 hatch that he's sort of climbed through here to get into it. Most of the time, they're just like a loose sheet metal thing to stop water splashing out and to stop sort of debris getting in. Mm-hmm. Or like birds or anything like any wildlife falling in and stuff like that. So that's a very weak point. But definitely, if you get a Trenosaur or even a Spinosaur, it could probably... Oh, probably wouldn't pull it out of the mud, but it'd probably lay waste <laughs> to that tanker and be able to get in there, especially after eight years of rust. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Definitely. But uh, Grant slowly paced... Oh, there, said that. Um, Eric grabs another chocolate bar and asks dessert, and uh, Grant nods as Eric throws him the bar and Grant starts to open it. And uh, he says, Eric, I must say, I'm astonished. You've lasted eight weeks on this island. And so Eric stops eating, looking confused, and <laughs> is that all it's been? When I know, when, when you go camping and stuff like that, if you go away, like, Easter long weekend, I went away for four days, and... You try not to look at the clock and that, and you do sort of lose concept of time, but I suppose after eight weeks, you'd lose concept of days as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd go as far as just doing the little scratches on the wall of how many days it's been. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you would probably probably do. At least that's what I would do, you know? Mm. I'd try to keep some kind of track, but then again, maybe he just eventually gave up any, any idea of anybody finding him. So he... Didn't really feel like it was necessary to keep track anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. By the time he even found the tanker, he might have already lost track of how long it had been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless he found a pen right on the back of his hand, what day it was or anything like that. But, um, uh, but Grant continues, well, you're alive, and that's the important thing. And thanks to you, that's one thing we have in common. And the sort of the two go silent for again a little bit, and... Grant asks a question. <laughs> Did you read Malcolm's book? And uh, Eric replies, yeah. And Grant, so. And Eric says, I don't know. He was kind of preachy. <laughs> and too much chaos. Everything's chaos. <laughs> when um, Grant watches this on with a smile. And Eric continues, it seemed like the guy was high on himself. <laughs> and that's where the minute ends. But it, um, Grant's loving this. Like Again, this is, this is uh, Malcolm post- um, the Lost World too. We're assuming post the San Diego incident, so he's he's already survived Jurassic Park. He knows he's I was right, you're wrong about the uh, the park itself. Then he's been to Sauna, and again taking dinosaurs off this island's the worst thing <laughs> you could do. And I'll be there when you when you learn that. And he'd be that high on himself because <laughs> he's always been right the whole time. Mm-hmm. But that does bring up the question: in uh, Jurassic World, we do see. Um... Claire's assistant, Sia, reading um, a book by Ian Malcolm. Was that the book, or did Ian Malcolm write a second book after the incident, after the dress of the San Diego incident? Well, I think we, we touched on it when Ludlow was getting stuck into him for sharing his story to the um, papers and that. Mm-hmm. I, I think then we'll say it too, it's sort of all... Well, now looking at that, that book... And especially since it's the photo of the Lost World Malcolm on that book and not um, not the Jurassic Park version or even what we see later with Jurassic or Fallen Kingdom, 
Well, Ludlow, well, that's that's the problem. You got Ludlow saying you're trying to sell wild stories, and Malcolm saying no, I never took a cent. Whether that was just newspaper articles or if he did write a book in between that period, and you'd think in general would step in to stop it getting published. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it's a lot harder to uh, stop the publishing of newspaper articles, especially with the First Amendment in the United States. So, yeah. And journalists, it's considered it's generally considered poor form to uh, pay your interviewee. So I doubt that uh, Malcolm. So when if when Malcolm says that he didn't take a cent from anybody he sold his or not or anybody who told his stories to, technically he would be telling the truth because no journalist would, or at least no good journalist, would sell their would try to pay their in, their informant. Yeah, well, that's it. And like we brought up at the minute as well, like, like it was the Washington Times and the Skeptical Inquirer, not, well, one of those definitely isn't a, um, a main-run news newspaper. So if, if he comes to them with this story and said, I don't want to be paid, I just want the story to be told, mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd publish it. It wouldn't be first page. It'd probably be on the back page or something next to who won the... Uh, the local college football that weekend or something, but it, um, yeah, it's, as he said, it's definitely a lot easier to be able to post something like that than one, write a novel and then have it published and distributed and everything else. I think that the only way you're going to be able to do that is post San Diego. Mm-hmm. It was the National Enquirer that is generally considered the, um, <clears throat> the, well, it's not quite uh, Bigfoot as Stole My Husband, <laughs> but it's not like the New York Times either. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like one of those in between stretching the truth. Like they take a bad picture of somebody and then start, uh, quote unquote, speculating about why they look that way. You know, El- Elvis lives. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, anything else on that before we get into uh, the novel and script comparisons? I think we covered that pretty well. All right. uh, We get the dialogue about Malcolm, then we cut back to the treetops. We don't get any T-Rex pee or any of that sort of stuff in the the script itself, which seems to have been a last-minute addition or put into the film after that script was written. But uh, in the novel, after Grant puts the pee back down, um, Grant asks Eric if he has anything else to use as a weapon um, and he holds Eric holds up the cattle prod and he says I have this but the batteries are dead so Grant sort of after Eric saying it uh, keeps away the small ones but attracts really big one Grant's already sees it as something they could possibly use as a mm-hmm. weapon or defence um, but then when Grant asks if Eric's read Malcolm's book there's a little addition by the writer uh, saying E. Malcolm a rival scientist like Grant he had been trapped on Jurassic Park once too which I found was weird because Malcolm and Grant are two completely fields of science. Maybe it should have been rival authors if they both wrote their second book around the same time. Well, remember, I think that um, they're more rival because Grant never liked Malcolm because he like was heavily hitting on Ellie, who was his <laughs> girlfriend at the time. So I think that's more what they mean when they say rivals. Okay. Because well, it's implied in the first not, uh, movie, too, that they've never even met before or know who each other is. I, I just found it a little bit of a weird thing to find in the novel because there is a few few things like that where they call back to um, 
Jurassic Park or something that happened behind just to sort of fill the reader in on some of the backstory. Again, novels mm-hmm. being novels need to build and sort of add that little bit more to stretch it, pad it out a little bit. But um, that's it for the novel and the script. Not a lot this uh, this minute. Um, anything else you want to discuss before we get out of here for the week? No, I think we uh, covered that pretty well. All right, lovely. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is Jurassic Minutes wordpress.com and you can find the lost world minutes and Jurassic minutes over on facebook with the uh pages there david where are you on twitter and instagram uh twitter we are at jurassic minute uh instagram is the jurassic minutes podcast some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions this is how you make dinosaurs this is how If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get on to Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.